This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, good morning from the sous chef, Frank Proctor. Nice to have you with us on this Saturday morning. And Hello, it's a Charlie. Gorgeous day. Another yeah, gorgeous yeah. day. Tis so. Tis so. Um, quick little report. Uh, yes, please. Uh, uh, fill uh, us uh, in on what you were telling me before <laughs> we came on air. Okay. So, Charlie, last week, mm-hmm. yeah, those of you who might recall, uh, kind of egging me on to go get a gardenia tree. We were talking to the gentleman. Peter Cantley from Loblaws. Right. The insider report. So, mm-hmm. okay, so I went over to uh, Queen's Key, uh, the Loblaw store over there, and picked up this gardenia tree. Right. And uh, it's, uh, I would say, about uh, three feet high, sort of thing. <laughs> no flowers on it yet, just the buds. Lots of buds. But, mm, yeah. Shiny and, green oh, leaves. Oh, shiny really green nice, leaves. Nice so I took it home, and I've got it there on the balcony. And I strap, you know, those little uh, strap, uh, what do you call them? Like a bungee Fasten- cord? Well, it's not quite a bungee cord. You fit them together. They're plastic ties. Oh, yeah. And anyway, I lashed it to to the... Um, <laughs> poor thing. Oh, poor thing, yes. Uh, I lashed it to the... Uh, Bondage uh, for plants. <laughs> <laughs> Would you let me finish? <laughs> oh, this is what I do to you. Oh, I see. I see what you're doing. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you little rat. Okay, so uh, to the, to the uh, uh, railing. Well, when you know, I'm I'm out of town yesterday, and the wind blew it over, and uh, so I got to go home and straighten it up. But in the meantime, the mm-hmm. main problem is some of the leaves started to go yellow, and I thought, what? I said, oh, yeah, maybe you're overwatering it. So I thought, oh gosh, okay. But then I felt it's dry as a bone. Mm-hmm. Put some water in. Whew, Water right. running right out in anger. Well, it must be. It must be, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, full because the water's running right away. Oh, my goodness. Now, okay, tell me where I went wrong. Well, okay, two things. Number yeah. one, as I mentioned to you earlier, gardenias love water. Mm. It's hard, very hard to overwater a gardenia. So don't worry that you're overwatering. And the second thing, of course, is that when you buy that plant, as with any you know, nursery plant, mm. it'll come in a pot that has drainage holes. Yep. And it's not a pretty pot. It's just a nursery Cardboard, pot. Cardboard, yeah. Well, it's black plastic. Yeah. It's nothing special. So what you want is you want to get either a saucer beneath so that when you do water, the saucer will catch some of that water because when your plant is bone dry as yours is now and top heavy and blowing over in the wind, that's always a good giveaway yeah. that it's top heavy and not you know moist below, the, the soil shrinks. A lot of the soil isn't really a soilless mix, so it's made with a lot of peat moss, which will, when it's dry, shrink away from the pot. You water, the water runs right through. Yep. What you need is for that plant to actually sit in water, you know, that pot just to soak sit, that right up. And, and it will yeah. slowly start to absorb, and of course the soil will expand back out, and then when you water, it won't run right through. So, and, and it's not even a pretty yeah. pot anyway. So we were talking about you getting a, an over pot or yeah. a cash pot. 
white, which would mm-hmm. work well with your interior yep. and work beautifully with a gardenia. So a nice white pot without drainage holes. So that will act okay. as your saucer. It'll make it look prettier. It'll also, if you get like a heavy one, get like a ceramic one, you know. Then so it's not going to blow over then, at all. Then, exactly. Yeah. You're nice and bottom heavy. Well, Charlie, thank you. I was the first caller on the old garden show today. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. that's okay. You know, That's like I said. That's why we call well, you the undergardener. I'm going to take, <laughs> <laughs> take my phone and camera and take a shot of that and bring it in. I meant to do that. Excellent idea. Okay. All right. So a couple of announcements for people that are, um, you know, wanting to get out and about. Mm -hmm. Today, uh, starting at 10 o'clock, the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is holding their annual fundraising plant sale. Uh, So, of course, this year it's got all kinds of cool stuff, wildflowers, native plants, bake sales, uh, happening at the Scarborough Village Community Center indoors. And that's at 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. As well, the Harrison District Horticultural Society is presenting its 11th annual Garden Festival. That is next Saturday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, it's right in the Mill Street Park in Harriston, so you would know where that is. Mm-hmm. You'll find a wide variety of perennials, annuals, hostas, daylilies, garden accents, botanical art, and photography. So for more information about vendors, etc., there is a website, and it's Harriston Garden Festival, all one word, dot C-A. Uh, here's an... Interesting one. The horticultural societies of both Parkdale and Toronto are hosting a garden tour in Bloor West Village, and this is happening on Sunday, June the 10th. Uh, This is a new thing for them. It's from 10 to 4 p.m. The tour is a self-guided tour. So there's um, what you do. There's also an exhibit of botanical art at St. Paul's Church. So they've managed to kind of bring in. What area was that again? I'm sorry. Bluer West Village. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, So you know where that is. Uh, Now, the tickets are available at a bunch of different retailers. One is Winter Winter Garden. Uh, There's another store called Another Story Bookshop. Sweet Peas, which is a wonderful little store right on Ronson's. Fails, and uh, all the proceeds from this tour are going to community garden projects, including schools and the Colburn Lodge in High Park. So, for more information, uh, you could call Diana Baxter or email her Diana Baxter three zero six at gmail.com. Speaking of garden tours, the Toronto Botanical Gardens is celebrating their. Oh, did I write it down? It's, I think it's their 25th anniversary. I mean, this, this is a tour that I've always traditionally gone on, 25th anniversary of the Through the Garden Gate tour. This year, for about the third or fourth time in the last 25 years, it is the Resplendent Gardens of Rosedale. 21 oh. glamorous private gardens. Used to live on Rosedale, or in Rosedale. Oh, did you? Yes, when that... Di and I got first got married, that's where we lived, oh. in Rosedale on, oh gosh. It's before the lotteries. How did you afford <gasps> yeah, that? I know. <laughs> we rented the bottom half of a house. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to mm. say a basement or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so the, some of the gardens, it's really, the thing that's cool about going on a garden tour, obviously, mm. is that you get to peek in and see it's not so much the over the fence. You get to actually go inside the fence oh, wow, yeah. and see what people have uh, going on. Some beautiful on. homes. Uh, Pricefield. Pricefield Road. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really oh, there's beautiful homes. There's some beautiful gardens. Yeah. And, of course, you know, big bucks have often gone into these oh, gardens. Oh, man, yeah. So great for ideas, right? Steal ideas. That's what... That's what Steal some flowers. I know. Oh, don't no, touch any no, flowers. No, no, no. I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> uh, so that's the, sponsored by the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Now, that is open... The, that particular tour is a two-day event. Mm-hmm. Saturday the 9th. 
9th, June 9th, and Sunday, June 10th. Good thing it's two days because 21 gardens is a lot of gardens. Holy you can cow. never see all of them in one day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's both days from 11 until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. For tickets or more information, torontobotanicalgarden.ca. Okay. We're running a little past our time here, so I'm going to whip right along, uh, Charlie, and give out the phone numbers for the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. Yes, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else, uh, that's that's Toronto. Anywhere else, here's the toll-free number, one 866 740 Four seven forty. Got the lines are jammed full. David Gaskin, our producer, was just so anxious to get going. I think he started working at ten to eight this morning. Get this all lined up. Mm. Unbelievable. He's Unbelievable. great. Oh He's yeah. Great. Back in a moment. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM seven forty. And Charlie, let me introduce you to Marie, calling in from Port Hope. Good morning, Marie. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, go I ahead. I have a question about um, some trees that are at the back of our property. Mm-hmm. There's uh, three. I believe they're called service berry mm-hmm. trees. Yes small ornamentals, and beside it there's a, um, a maple tree, which is green uh, through the uh, the summer, but turns beautiful red in the uh, fall. Uh, the maple tree has been suffering the last couple of seasons, and this season there are no uh, buds, no leaves whatsoever. Now, all of these trees on the, um, the stem, uh, the I guess the, the the trunk, yeah, the trunk. That's mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. On the trunk are all crusted with a white, mm. some type of fungus. I have to assume. Now I don't know whether that's what has affected this maple. Uh, one of the neighbors said because last season the maple was just covered in the uh, what he called keys, mm-hmm. uh, that he thought maybe the tree had just gone dormant this year, but I don't know. It seems rather. Uh, is the how, to me. How um, how big is the maple? Is it a big old you know forty foot tall type maple? No, no. It it I, I think it's called Norwegian maple. Is that some? No, there's Norway maples, but they don't Norway, turn red. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, but they do not turn red in the fall. Oh, they don't. Yeah, well, they this just... one does a beautiful red. Now it's only been there uh, approximately seven years. Okay. So it's not age or whatever that no. has done that. And it's not a Japanese maple. It's a, no, it's no, a, it's not. It's a regular maple tree. So, you know, turning red could be a sugar maple. It could be a red maple. Uh, they do turn red in the fall. Uh, and the service berries. So, but the service berries look fine. It's just the maple that's got you concerned? Uh, the one service berry is getting very frail looking and not a lot of leaves on it. So I'm kind of very concerned that maybe something's going to happen to it as well with this. I don't know. Is this normal to have this crust on the, on the trunk? Yes. Don't worry about the crust. The crust is actually lichen and L-I-C-H-E-N. Okay. And lichen will not damage the trees at all. It happens very commonly, uh, very weather dependent. <clears throat> when you mention the keys on the maple, the keys are the, the little seeds. They're the, the helicopters, right, that fly right. down. Now, last year, all the trees bore heavily. 
when it came to flowering, and then, of course, post-flowering fruit or seeds, or in the case of maples, little keys. Lots and lots and lots. Like, you know, thousands of little baby Norway maples are probably coming up in your yard as we speak, unless you've pulled them all up, because the seedlings tend to grow. But but that is not an indication of its health necessarily. Generally, we look at weather as having a big impact. And, of course, last year it was very cold and very wet, and the spring went on forever and ever and ever before, you know, it stopped raining in late June. This year, we're having the opposite kind of spring. Um, Now, maples will sometimes get a disease called anthracnose, and you can tell that the plant has this. It's a very long process of anthracnose will kill a maple over a period of years. You can tell it's got anthracnose when the leaves are smaller than normal. They're sparser than normal. They're sometimes a bit misshapen, and you can just tell the plant is suffering, and that will take, like I say, a number of years to kill the plant. Um, in the case of something like this, where the you know service berries, maple, edge of the property, two things come to mind. One is soil, doing a soil test to mm-hmm. find out if there's something going on in your soil that's causing these plants to, to not you know, be acting up to snuff like they should be. Right. And number two would be to call a certified arborist and get somebody onto your property to actually do a proper visual inspection on what's going on. There could be things going on that you're just not recognizing uh, that could be causing a problem. The lichen, though, is not, the white stuff on the bark is not your problem, though. That's not a problem at all? not at all. No, not at all. Okay, that's fine. Um, Now, the other thing was we have tested the maple only by, like, you know, breaking a little piece of the mm-hmm. bar, or the uh, branches mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. and they're quite green and mm-hmm. quite pliable right and but no leaves to speak of no leaves no buds whatsoever well like sometimes when we do have delayed dormancy which is what could be happening there you can force a plant out of dormancy by getting out your little pruners and just t- pruning the tips uh, okay. on anything that you can reach I mean if the, some of it's going to be out of your reach don't try and go up a ladder or anything but just no. where you can reach a branch tip pruning I mean taking an inch off mm-hmm. of the branches that you can reach, often and uh, frankly, water. It has been so dry this year. That's part of what could be happening okay, with the delayed the dormancy. Dry winter, a right. very very dry spring. So okay. some plants may be staying dormant just to try and stay alive. So haul some pails of water or get your hose out there and do some very long, slow, deep watering on those plants and that little bit of pruning. And that may make a difference as well. Very good. We'll give that a try. Okay. Thank you, Marie. Thank you so much. 921 here at AM 740. Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show on the air. Frank Proctor, your sous chef. And I am getting myself out of dormancy. Uh, I am going to do... (laughs) Well said. Thank you. Uh, I am going to do table push-ups. Table push-ups. I don't have to get up. I'm just going to lean back now. Okay, here I go. So we say now, why... I just hit the mic. Why would (laughs) Frank be getting himself out of dormancy? (laughs) Oh, very good. Okay, it's because he's in such good shape. Exactly. And, oh, which is, I would like, just like to mention, it was Frank's birthday yesterday. Yes, it was. Big happy birthday. Well, thank you. The big 7 <laughs> Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> the big 70. Frank has turned 70, but you wouldn't know looking at him. He's vigorous, active, in shape, yes, yes. Do, doing table push-ups. And that's because he takes his Sierra Sill on a daily basis helps keep them active. And of course, all of us are getting stiffer and more sore as we get older. And certainly the Sierra still helps both Frank and I maintain those active lifestyles that we really like. So whether it's push-ups or gardening or kickboxing. <laughs> now, if you're interested in learning more about Sierra Sill, they have a website, sierrasill.ca. They can be reached by phone at one 877 
joint 14, or you can pick up Cirrusil at many of the, the um, natural health food stores out there. Essence of Life in uh, Chinatown carries Cirrusil, as does the peanut mill in St. Catharines. 47, 48, <laughs> 49, oh, 15. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And let's give a nod uh, toward Toronto, where we are broadcasting from, and Dorothy on the line. Good morning, Dorothy. Welcome to the Good show. Good morning. morning. Uh, my, uh, my question is about tulips. Mm-hmm. Um, I planted 18 tulips last year, or well, the fall, mm-hmm. and I only got about nine this year mm-hmm. that, is, that came out. So I was given a pot of tulips about a month ago, and they finished blooming mm-hmm. now. And I would like to keep the same tulips in the same pot so they bloom again. Now, what do I do to keep them? Okay, so this is a great question, Dorothy. First off, just to mention, go back to the 18 you planted. The other nine are out there somewhere. The squirrels have relocated them likely to your neighbor's yards or somewhere else. (laughs) And so they are probably out there. And that's the one problem in the urban environment is the squirrels like to mess up our designs. Now, when you get the pot of tulips given to you that are blooming uh, in the spring, they have been forced in a refrigerator or cooler and brought into the store with the, the buds and blooms. And, of course, we have them in our homes or leave them outdoors either way. Now that the blooms are finished, of course, you remove the, the, um, the, the dead flowers. The green leaves must be left to slowly but surely turn yellow. So you'll leave them either outside or inside, but water them as required. It takes a good four to six weeks for the leaves to, to die down to yellow. If you want, you can't force them again. It doesn't work. They have been forced once. So they've been, you know, tricked into blooming and they're jammed into those pots. You know, there's, you know, 10 bulbs in a six inch pot. So they're very, very tight. And there's the plants, those bulbs will not force effectively or look good if you try and do the same thing. You know, leave them in the pot, stick them in your refrigerator. It's not going to, it's not going to work out for you. However, you can plant those in your garden. And, of course, what you want to do is try and plant them and protect them from the squirrels. That's that's part of the trick. So um, allow them to die down. F- go back to that area where you planted last fall. I would incorporate this group of, t- of bulbs in with your existing tulips. When you're planting, remember, you can uh, just get a little bit of... It can be cheesecloth, it could be a piece of screen, it can be a bit of chicken wire, but you can lay that over the bulbs. Once you've excavated, you plant the bulbs, you know, put the bulbs in, pointy ends up, a little bit of chicken wire, then put your soil on top, and that way the, the uh, squirrels can't move the bulbs on you because they can't get them. They try to dig down and they just hit hit this, this wire or this screen or whatever you've got uh, that's stopping. Of course, the bulbs will grow up through something like so chicken wire. So it's pointing end up. See, yeah. I would have, I would have got exactly the reverse. I would, I would have done pointy end down. down. They'll still flower if you yeah. put them pointy end down because the stem will come around okay. and, and yeah. turn, and the roots will turn. Oh. But if you look at any bulb, there's always mm. a flat side, mm. and the flat side typically has a little bit of uh, scraggly root. Okay. So, and the stem is always in the pointy end. All right. So always remember pointy end up. Did you get that, Dorothy? <laughs> yeah, I got that. But what would happen if I left them in the pot? 
Well, they're so jammed in the pot that if you, uh, well, I mean, and you're thinking about burying the pot? Well, no, I just uh, thought it was nice of sitting Mm -hmm. on the table Mm -hmm. and... uh, if I could have it again, they, fine. But you see, if you leave them in the pot above ground, they will die in the winter. It will be too cold and they will rot. They will freeze solid and rot. Oh. So either way, they have to go underground or into a, an environment where it won't, they won't be um, too cold. That's where refrigerators come in. But you will, you will not find that they will force effectively again. They're really jammed into that pot. It'd be better to separate them out. Oh, so I might just, well, wait and then plant them in the fall. Yep, you can do that. I do that. Sometimes I wait till the fall or I'll plant them. When, and when I'm doing some other digging, plant them anytime you want, once they're dormant. Yeah. The uh, squirrels, they don't seem to take the bottom part. They wait until uh, the flower is out. I know. And they go for red tulips. I know. And then they... Smart little devils. Not bite them. colors, but red. Red. Yeah. They bite the flowers off. Yeah. Oh, I and, know. It's uh, frustrating. So... Um, well, anyhow, that's why I thought yeah. if I had it in the house yeah. and and in the same pot, it'd be fine. Well, you know, Dorothy, in this coming fall, you could buy some tulips, pot up a group of them into that same pot, and then we'll talk in the fall about how you can force them yourself so that you'll put them into your refrigerator for whatever, you know, 14 weeks, and when you bring them out, you'll have that same blooming pot. Weeks? It's 14 weeks in your oh refrigerator. My God. I don't have that space for 14 weeks. <laughs> oh, you need a beer fridge that you can move some beer around and stick in your Dorothy and her beer fridge. <laughs> Soon to be heard here on AM 740. Okay. Well, thanks very much okay. for your help. Thanks, You're welcome, love. Dorothy. Bye-bye. I'm not quite sure she meant that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were we helpful? Uh, well, sort of. Yeah, I think. <laughs> now, the pointy down thing. Uh, the up. up. Pointy thing. up. Uh, yeah, pointy up, I meant. Yes. <laughs> 9.30 on the button. Better move along before we're getting in more trouble. Uh, Joan in Stony Creek, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hello, Joan. Oh, hi. Good morning. Morning. Um, uh, yeah, first I have a solution for the rabbits. Um, somebody called about a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just put rubbers, the rubber snakes you buy, oh, the yeah, yeah. rubber snakes yeah. you buy from the dollar store. Dollar store, exactly, in packages. And you find that works. And that works, yeah. yeah. I used to have to sweep up my deck with all the drop-ins in the spring, and now I get none. And you, and you leave the snakes on the deck? I leave the snakes in the garden. Okay. And uh, the only trouble is in the front, you have to kind of... Um, Bake them down, and otherwise the kids steal them <laughs> in the front garden. But. That's really, yeah, it's interesting you mention that, because I have little snakes and lizards scattered in my garden that are left over from when my yeah. kids were little. And actually, the kids in the neighborhood love coming to find <laughs> the, all the thick creatures in my garden. And I've never had rabbits chew anything, and I wonder if that's why. Well, if that's, there you go. And we yeah. do certainly have rabbits in our neighborhood. I wonder if that's why. That's a really good point. And it's kind of cool. It's a, it scares people sometimes. Like, they think they're real. Eh? They see these little, <laughs> you know, heads of snakes poking out. Oh, my God, there's a snake. No, it's a rubber snake. So oh, that's, does keep them away. That's it's a good idea. It's kept them away now for a few years. Oh, oh, that's okay. a good tip. Thank that's you. Good. Also, um, I have a question. I, had a, I have um, a clematis. And it was a pretty pale mauve. And this year it's come up a dusty rose. Can I do anything to get the pale mauve back? <laughs> hmm. It could be a pH thing. Is this the, the second year that you've had it? I've had it about um, nine years now. Oh, it's over eight years it was one color and now yeah. it's... Uh, okay, well, one thing would be to 
uh, test the pH of your soil. You want your pH to be very close to neutral. And it could be that it somehow has climbed a bit and is a little above neutral. Because whenever I think of the mauves or the blue tones, I'm always thinking a little bit below neutral. So something could have happened there. Um, so what can I put in the soil to? Well, you'll do a pH test, and you will use um, soil acidifier. Okay. You will use aluminum sulfate. You will use any kind of a sulfur-based product okay. to lower your pH if that seems appropriate based on the, the pH. But also keep in mind it's been very hot and very sunny, and flowers fade very quickly. Could it be that these are flowers that were open for a couple hours and they, you know, no, no they're you coming saw. out that color. That yeah. dusty color as opposed to the mauve. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's what jumps into my brain would be uh, pH. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Very good, Joan. Thanks, thanks for, for the tip. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here on The Garden Show from AM740, Charlie Dubbin on the air. And we have uh, Sharon in Hamilton on the line. Good morning, Sharon. Hello. Morning. Hello. Um, Charlie, I bought um, Orleander mm-hmm. from White Rose just before they closed there quite a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. Ten years ago, yep. Yeah, and I can't get it to bloom. It's I got it when it was fairly young, and now it's about five, six feet tall, and it's really bushy, and I do put it out on my deck in the sun. Okay, good. And how often do you water it? All the time. There you I'm go. I'm watering all my plants. So, see, this is a really good... Were you listening at the top of the show when Frank and I were talking about his gardenia plant that he's got out on his balcony? Yes. These yes. are t- examples of two totally opposite plants in terms of what they need when it comes to water. They both love full sun. They're both tropical. They're both, in a lot of ways, easy care plants. But, see, your oleander does not want to be watered all the time. It actually oh. wants to be on the dry side. So what you want to do is either use a moisture meter or get used to sticking your finger into the soil. Let the oleander dry right down between waterings versus Frank's gardenia, where if he let that happen, all the buds would fall off. So he's got to keep his moist and you need to keep yours dry and you will get flowers if you let it dry out. And what about feeding? Well, fertilizer is a way to encourage, you know, any kind of growth. Uh, If you've got lots and lots of leaves going on on that plant, I would be inclined to not fertilize. I do. Yeah, so that one of the things that you're doing is you are feeding and supporting a lot of leaf growth with the fertilizer. So Mm -hmm. you almost want to let your oleander suffer a little bit. Oleanders are, they're like a desert type plant. They, They like, they do best in adverse conditions. So hot, windy, sunny, dry, you know, poor soil, that's all good, and you will get lots of flowers. Oh, thank you very much, Charlie. I do remember you coming into White Rose because I used to work there. Oh, really? Good. Yeah, the one on James. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Thanks for calling, Sharon. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) There's a voice from the past. Exactly. 935 here at AM 740. As we... um, Zip along and uh, have a word with Yolanda in Toronto. And I'm having trouble with this word. Is it uh, Rosa Rosa Ragusa? Rosa Ragusa. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I'm having trouble, too. Anyway, it's a, it's a rose. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> on to the caller who will straighten us both up. Yes, exactly. Hello, Yolanda. Hello. Morning. Uh, Frank and uh, Charlie. Uh, I have a Rosa Rugosa. It's probably about four years old. Mm-hmm. I bought two, and I lost one uh, to the same thing that I think I'm going to be losing this one to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it always has um, 
uh, it's like a spider web type of thing uh, all over the, uh, as soon as the beautiful buds come out. And that web is filled with all kinds of little wee black spots. And I've checked it and looked at it. They're not alive, but it looks as if it's a dead fly or something, like something that's inside but doesn't seem to be alive. But I, if if I don't get an answer today, I'm pulling it out, and <laughs> uh, uh, and it's going to be gone too. So webbing on the tips where oh. the buds are forming. Yes, all uh, over it. All and I've over. checked the uh, website, and it just keeps telling me it's one of the most disease-free roses. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so webbing is always spun by spiders or by um, little insects that are going through a life cycle change, you know, cocooning and that sort of thing. Um, the little black specks are is insect poop. Oh. <laughs> Frass. 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 Wow. Frass. Wow. Yes. <laughs> what was you said that time? No frass. <laughs> yeah. I wondered if it had anything to do with every once in a while, every year, I get swarms of tiny little flies that are all over the the ground, mm-hmm. and they, they're just like you have to spray them to get rid of them. But I wondered if that had anything to do with those black things, hmm. but obviously not. No. Now tell me something. Is this rose planted in a situation where it's getting a minimum of six hours of direct sunlight every day? I, I think so, yes. So it's bright and sunny and open. Yes. Air. But it's North York clay. Yeah, which is not that great, but because roses, what roses really want is well-drained soil, and particularly the species-type roses, which is what you have. A rose of Rugosa is a tough, sturdy, you know, nothing knocks them down kind of plant. So well, I, could, I see them in medical buildings, uh, uncared for, uh, and they're beautiful. Exactly, which is kind of like the our last caller with the oleander. Mm. You, you, th- there are some plants that thrive on neglect, and oleander is an example. Nasturtiums are an example. Rosa rugosa is an example. And roses in general do not need the kind of coddling that people think they need. They are much tougher than people realize. Oh, wow. So the main thing is they need lots and lots of sun, good air circulation, and a well-drained soil. So how do I get rid of those things? Well, could you uh, do some soil amending or could you add some sand or gravelly sand, preferably, around the rose to help with some drainage? Because you do not want a heavy clay around the plant. That that way it'll be a happy, he- happier, healthier plant. But how do I get rid of it presently the, now? How do I get rid of all that? Hose. Pull your. Uh, have you tried blowing all that off with the hose? No, I was afraid it would spread. No, yeah, don't be worried because <clears throat> that the, the little I webbing. I actually threw a, a big plastic bag over it yesterday. Okay, you don't want to do that. Not when it's thirty-one degrees, <laughs> record-breaking yeah, yeah, temperatures. It becomes a little oven inside that plastic yeah. bag. So, I mean, put on your gloves, uh, get a stick. You know, go through there and and pull. You know, pull out the webbing just by running a stick, like combing through the plant. Are the leaves nice and green? Yeah, they seem fine, except that they're beginning to curve. They're curling, curling up, yeah. but there's nothing underneath the leaf. The leaf is completely cleared. Okay, yeah, because the, the one time we worry about webbing on plants is from spider mites. Spider mites are so tiny you don't see them. Uh, they do leave webbing behind. 
but they also affect the color of the leaves. So if the leaves are nice and green, I wouldn't be worried about spider mites. Garden spiders are actually a good thing. We like spiders in our gardens because they catch all kinds of mosquitoes and other things. So just just uh, eliminate the webbing by, like I say, combing with it with a little branch or whatever. Get your hose out. Give the plant a real wash down with the hose. Uh, and do whatever you can if you if there's anything you can do to help with a little more drainage around the plant. Have you fertilized it at all this year? Not at all. I would fertilize it. What, Roses, what shall I use? Rose food, Miracle Grow, an oh. all-purpose flowering plant food. Okay. Okay. Just uh, one good fertilizing is would important. Would I ever love to send you a specimen? Well, you could. Yeah. You could. Um, you know. Who do I? What? What's the address? <clears throat> it's uh, five fifty, Queen Street East. And then Suite 205. 550 Queen East. Uh-huh. Suite 205. Yeah. Uh, M5A. Thank you. 1V2. Okay. Thanks a million. Great. Okay, well, thank you're you. welcome. Thanks, Yolanda. Okay, bye-bye. And we have to go to our next break here, but we'll be back to have a word with Judy and Tom and other folks who will line up very, very shortly. Phone numbers again, 416-360-0740. And uh, our long-distance line, which is free for you, one 740 Shall I do some exercises again? Yes, you can yeah, do okay. that if you like. I think I need it this morning. I think I need to stand this time. Well, I think it's really because like... you were, yeah. um, you know, celebrating last night. Well, uh, yes. And, uh, it, you know, was your 70th I had birthday a few pops, after all. You know, a yeah. few pops. Yeah. A few pops for pop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the kids, the family. Exactly. Well, that's nice. And, you Great know, a, a big happy birthday to you. And, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons you're as, as active and as. Look at you doing your exercises. One of the reasons you're just the the person you are, despite the recent birthday, the person I am. <laughs> is because you're a boomer who wants your freedom and you want to maintain your favorite activities and you don't want any kind of aches or stiffness. And Sierra Sill is something that I know you take on a daily basis, as do I, in order to stay active and pain free. So Sierra Sill, completely natural supplement, mineral supplement that uh, helps with joint. Stiffness and aches. And good folks to deal with, too. Yeah. Based out of Vancouver, you can call them, ask them questions, one joint 14 You can check them on the web, sierrasill.ca, or pick up a bottle at The Big Carrot on Danforth in Toronto. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Hey, Frank Proctor, pleased to be along here with uh, Judy calling in from Sunderland, I do believe. Hi, good morning. Good morning, uh, Frank and Charlie. Morning. I have this beautiful gardenia tree. Hmm. Um, it blossomed about 10 blossoms this winter, and I cut it back till it was virtually naked. Mm-hmm. Now it's got lovely, lovely head on it again, but I have a slip that's coming out right at the base of the stem. Mm-hmm. Can I propagate that slip, and if so how would I do it? Okay, so number one, slip is a nice way of saying it's a sucker that's growing off the root right at the base. Okay. You do not want that there because it will take over. You'll lose all that top growth and you'll be at a bush when you want the tree form. So the way what you're going to do with that slip is you're actually going to break it off. You're not going to cut it off. You're just going to bend it away from the stem. And in that bending, it's going to it's going to break. Oh, okay. And separate from the main stem by by doing that bending and removing it that way. 
you will avoid hopefully having any more of those little growths happening. Yes, but I did it last year and it did come back. Well, and you do, if, but you see, if you cut it, I did. That's when you'll get two usually, and then you'll cut your two and you'll get four, and before you know it, you have a serious bush thing happening and all the top dies. Okay. So that's why the breaking is the best way to remove any suckers from from roots or, or from the base. Uh-huh. Once you've got that removed, take a look at the the length of the stem. As you know, any stem on any plant has little bumps along the stem, and those bumps are called nodes. And at each node is where there are little tiny buds that are completely hidden to our eyes under the bark, under that soft green bark. These little buds are completely dormant. They're there. They're ready to grow if they're given the right conditions to grow. Mm -hmm. From your nodes, you can get stem growth from those buds or you can get root growth from those buds because it's undifferentiated tissue. It will grow in either into whatever you want it to be depending on the conditions you give it. So you take your little slip. You're going to have to make a clean cut where you did that little breaking off of the mother plant. Clean cut with your pruners. And then it's just a matter of immersing that stem into some water or moist perlite or some kind of a medium that will keep it very moist and making sure you've got at least two or three nodes covered into the moist medium, whether I say it's like sand or perlite or water, and from that immersion in the, in the moisture, those, something will grow from those nodes. And, of course, in the moist situation, roots will grow. Oh, good. Okay, hey, clever. It's that easy. Gee, uh, give that a shot and, and let us know how it comes on. How long should uh, should she expect? Oh, it could take uh, this time of year. It could take um, anywhere from three to four to five weeks. Uh huh. Yep. Should it takes I wait till it gets a little like it's it's right just at the earth level? There's three leaves on it. Should I wait till it gets bigger and take it off? Or no, I'd be inclined to take it off now. And remember, you can remove a, a lower leaf. Leave, leave at least one leaf on top, uh-huh. but you can remove those two lower leaves if you want. Okay, because where those leaves are coming from is a node, and by getting those nodes underwater, you can get roots to grow from there. Oh, great. Yeah, All keep right. in touch with us, Judy. And let, Frank let us know wants how. to know more because yeah. he's becoming a gardenia uh, grower I am, himself. Well, I know there was a question earlier that I missed, so I hope I didn't repeat it. No, not at all. It's great. Thank you for anyway, calling. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. Have a great weekend. 948 thanks. here at AM 740, The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Let's go uh, to Woodstock, okay? Here's Tom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Great. I listen to your show quite often. Thank you. Uh, I've got a rose bed with about 20 roses in it. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, I uh, tried to put a mulch in, and it didn't seem to work too well. They, they didn't seem to like it. Is there a special mulch you would use in a rose bed? Okay, so when you say they didn't like it, what happened? They kind of came to a halt and stopped doing anything that year? Yeah. Well, no, it was quite a while ago now, but and so it was I've, a crushed. I never uh, put mulch, mulch in a rosebud. I just left it open. Yeah, and it was a crushed bark mulch, I assume, like the like the fibery bark mulch. Right. Okay, so you know what was going on when when you put that on, because it's a fairly fine ground um, bark that we use as mulch, and we use it two to four inches thick, and actually, it's a really good thing to put on roses, uh, mulch on rose beds. Uh, what happens, though, of course, is that the soil is full of life. The, lots of the life we don't even see because it's little microorganisms and all kinds of little things doing stuff. We lay that mulch out and the microorganisms get very excited and they start chewing on the mulch because that's organic material that they desperately are so happy to have around so they can decompose it. When they start chewing away on the mulch... They use um, some of the minerals, uh, they tie up some of the nutrient in the soil, 
and the roses kind of get neglected. They miss the microorganisms working around them in a positive fashion, and what's happening is it's all going on at the surface. And this happens to roses, it happens to vegetable gardens, it can happen to any plants. They kind of come to a standstill when we put mulch down. And it is all to do with the, the life and what's going on in the life of our soil when we put mulch. So the way to avoid that is you apply fertilizer before you apply the mulch. That way you cover off the fact that there's going to be some nutrients available for both the organisms and the plants because you can't stop the little organisms from doing their, their mulch decomposition. That's what they're going to do. Okay. So that, um, and the reason mulch is I, great. I usually use um, compost or cheap manure, okay. the, the base of the roses with that. And you do that um, in the spring. So do that before? Yes. Well, I would do you do that in the spring typically when you're pruning and trimming and cleaning up your roses? You do a, a soil um, top dressing then? Yeah, but I'm a little late this year. Okay, so you haven't done that yet. Okay. No, it's great. Well, I know it's been an awfully early spring. It's only May, and it feels like July in our gardens. So don't don't get stressed. You know what? I haven't even got my tomatoes in the ground yet, so, you know, I know. I'm way behind, too. (laughs) Uh, I've got one other question. Uh, I've got some hollyhocks. Uh-huh. And every year, they, the leaf gets laced yes. like with an insect eating it. Yes. Is there something to spray on those to keep that from happening? No. It's not an insect. It's a rust. It's a fungal disease. You can spray in advance of the rust causing the problem with a fungicide because that's the only way we control fungal diseases is we prevent them by spraying in advance of fungal-type weather, so heavy rains and moisture and humidity is when we spray. Or what most people do is they plant something in front of their hollyhocks so you don't see the ugly leaves, and you'll just see the beautiful flowers towering up above. Right. You can't win on... It's called hollyhock rust. It happens every year. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Patrolman Proctor, I did have my ticket book out, but I know. he was so quick getting that good, second eh? question in. Call early, call often, one question per call. Yeah, <clears throat> you haven't said the uh, mantra, you see, though. Uh, that, that's my fault. That's, that's my fault. Yep. Okay, we've got to take a quick break because we have other folks we want to get to, but we do have our commercial sponsors that, hey, we need, and mm. we love them. Hello there. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, let's get Paul on uh, on the line from Kitchener. Hey, good morning, Paul. Hi there, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. We uh, went out and, and brought home a hibiscus tree mm-hmm. a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, watered it when we got home, and we've been watering it quite regularly since. Mm-hmm. But the thing looks like, and it's out on the deck where the uh, gets the afternoon sun. Okay. But the and it's got lots of blooms, but the leaves look like the whole thing's dying. Oh, so they're just like wilt, like hanging on the plant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you doing what Frank was doing, which is watering and have the water just run right through, or do you have a saucer below the plant? Um, the we were watering and just. Uh, letting the water run very through, but I put it in a pot since then. Okay. Did so you actually? The water is still. Um, did you actually transplant it, or it's just sitting no, in an no, overpot? No, just put the pot in a, a bigger pot. Okay. The trick with hibiscus—it's funny. They're, all these kind of these trees, these tropical tree questions. 
we were talking about oleander earlier, and they like to be on the dry side. Yeah, I heard Talk about, about that's, that's gardenias, why I called. Gardenias, and they want to be on the moist side. And hibiscus kind of falls in the middle. What hibiscus wants is that when you are watering it, it wants to be watered thoroughly, but it wants to dry thoroughly between watering. Okay. So what I would do is look in your in your pot that you've got the, the other pot sitting in. Make sure there's no water in there now. So it's not sitting in water. It's very important. Hibiscus never wants to sit in water. Oh, okay. And feel the weight of the pot or stick your fingers into the soil. If it's very moist right now, um, and if the plant is sitting in water, obviously dump the water out of that over pot. Right. I would even sit the pot out so that it dries down a bit. And, uh, you know, allow it to pretty thoroughly dry out. Now, not to total desert consistency, but but dry. Dry to the feel and dry for the top Mm -hmm. inch before you water again. Oh, okay. It could be an overwatering thing. Or the reason it, I put it in another pot was I filled the other pot up with, with stones because it was blowing over. Right. So take the stones out. Yep. <laughs> I'm really not a fan of stones. Like stones almost as a mulch on top of the soil. It's a weight factor. Those. I mean, imagine if you had to like walk around with your... Uh, uh, bunch of rocks on your head you know it's just like it's just a heavy thing on the roots so i understand your need you might have to get into the bondage thing like like frank's doing is tie the plant so it doesn't blow over yeah, right, right, or, or right, having right. it in an overpot that's a heavy one helps as well you know it helps with some bottom heaviness but right. yeah i'd avoid the roots uh, the, the stones on top of the roots well no the, the stones are around the the, the plant pot. Oh, I see. Right. So it's hard to know whether there's water down there or not because you yeah, can't right. see. All right. So uh, you might have to pull the plant out, let the rocks drop to the bottom, and then sit the pot on top of the rocks so that the rocks are below. That might work better. But as if, opposed if to there's being. a drainage hole in, in the pot now, the water should come through that. It, the original pot that it's planted in will have drainage holes. Yeah, and, but the one I put it in. Yeah, good question. Are there drainage holes in that? I think so. Okay, so now you need a saucer below that, or inside even. You know what I mean? You need to stop that water from running through. Okay, well, okay. that's great. That's All great, right, Paul. Good Thanks. Luck with that. Appreciate your help. Thanks yeah, you for your call. Take care of Kitchener Waterloo for us there. Okay, a couple of quick things, you really fast. Mm. Um, last week, we had a call from Valerie, and she was asking about Rieger begonias, and we were talking a bit about begonias. I, you know, fast up right now, I sometimes do make mistakes, and I did make a mistake last week. I told her that she could propagate her Rieger begonia via a tuber. She questioned me. She said, Are, you know, tuber? And I said, yes, for sure. Well, I was wrong. No, the only way you propagate Rieger begonias is by cuttings. And those cuttings are typically in the spring, April, May, even now. You could take cuttings on a Rieger begonia to propagate. And just like we said with that slip of the gardenia, right, the nodes, the roots, the growth will happen from the nodes, little roots, and you will start new plants from the mother plant with cuttings. And one more announcement. This came in at midnight last night. Uh, thank you, Rosemary. It's just a good thing I was on my computer at midnight <laughs> reading her announcement. She asked me to present to you today. It's for an event tomorrow. It's the Greater Toronto Bulb Society tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. The speaker is Anna Leggett. The topic is Bulbs in the Wild, Learning from Habitat, which is great. That's really, that's that whole idea of the right plant in the right place mm-hmm. is likely to thrive. Mm-hmm. Anne is very smart, and she will be doing Bulbs in the Wild, Learning from Habitat, tomorrow, 1.30. Uh, and there's also a short talk from one of the, the other members on whatever. No time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Meeting is at the Cummer Park Community Centre, which is the southwest corner of Leslie and Cummer.
6000 Leslie Street. Plenty of free parking, and everyone is welcome, and that is 1.30 tomorrow. Thank you, Rosemary. Okay. <laughs> right. It's been a fascinating show. I've learned one thing, you know, the bulbs pointy, pointy end up. Yep. All right. See, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting my nematode stuff down. Yep. Uh, Mark Ardenia, uh Bush. I know how to it, fix that now. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, hey, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I know. I see you taking I am, notes. I am more and more becoming a sous chef uh, of all sous chefs of the garden. <laughs> That's right. The yeah. ultimate sous yeah, chef. Yeah, I am heading toward the ultimate <laughs> sous chef. Extreme sous, <laughs> sous chef <laughs> competition. That'd be good, actually. Yeah. Well, thank you, Frank. You know, you are the best sous chef, well, really. Thank you. I mean, you're thank also you. my only sous chef, but well, you yes, are I, the best. Best of the only. Yes, mm. exactly. So thank you for all your help. And again, you know, happy birthday greetings to you yesterday. Why, thank you. So, and thanks so much, Dave, for all your great support. Thanks for our great callers. Gentlemen, gentlemen, Gentleman Dave. Dave. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, we had some great questions today. So thanks, everybody, for all that. Keep that coming. And uh, you're back in an hour. Yeah, yeah. That's Dave's Corner Garage coming yeah. right up with Alan Gelman and... Hey, is Dave there? Oh, yeah, he's oh, there, yeah. too. Dave's there, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's there. there he is. All right. see him in his and shorts. special guest, too. <laughs> okay. okay. Good. Well, I'll see everybody next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.